and welcome to Reliving My Youth. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest this week is Tracy Bland. Now Tracy, along with her sister Melissa, were the vocalists for the band Voice of the Beehive. Two California girls who moved to London, where they started working with two former members of Madness, among others, to form the Beehive. Cult status in the States, we talk about that as well. They had a couple hits on the UK charts. They made a dent, a small dent, on the Billboard charts with a couple of their songs, most notably Monsters and Angels from their debut album, Let It Be. If you haven't heard about the Beehive, think B-52s in that regard. Very entertaining, very fun band. Really enjoy my conversation with Tracy, and I hope you do as well. So, Tracy, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. So I want to tell you how I first discovered the band. Uh, I was up in college in Buffalo, New York. This was early, you know, mid-90s, and I was working at the radio station there doing, like, sports updates. So I would always come in maybe about, like, 15, 20 minutes to, like, write my scripts and get ready. So I'd always hear what the DJ was playing, you know, before I would go on. And he he played. Um, there's a barbarian in the back of my car. Me again, I think I'll take him on. There's a barbarian 
And I'm like, this song is freaking awesome, you know? And I, I never heard it before because unfortunately they didn't play, you know, too much of like the band. Right. I was, you know, listening to, you know, that time I'm like, so after I did my sports cast, I went to the DJ. I'm like, who is this? He like looks like Voice of the Beehive. I'm like, can I borrow the CD? So I did. I borrowed it. I went back to my dorm room, made a copy of it on cassette. That's how old I am. I'm going to date myself. And nice. I, listened, I listened to the album and it was absolutely fantastic. So, oh, uh, yeah. So I became a fan, you know, right then. I should have been a fan a few years earlier, but at least I was a fan. You got it. Barbarian you know, like, is when we that Let It Be is when we started. We entered, hit the ground running. So you got in early. Yeah, and I, I absolutely loved loved the album. I wore, wore that tape out pr- pretty uh, pretty frequently. Yeah, but just like, how did you get started? I know your father was, you know, in the industry. So was this something like you and your sister always wanted had, to do? It had a lot to do with the Pretenders. Okay. To be honest, I was a Cali girl, and I was on the beach uh, at Zuma, and I heard Precious. And I just could not believe it was a girl. I looked at her and thought, oh, my God, I've never seen anybody cooler. And that started my obsession with British bands. I was into Bow Wow Wow, Adam and the Ants. Smiths are one of my favorite bands, and they came way later. I had to move to London to understand what the Smiths were talking about. You can't do it in California. Just like you guys can't probably don't get the Eagles until you're on a Southern California beach. It's like, oh, (laughs) I get it out, right. So uh, Chrissy Hine had a lot to do with it. She influenced me. And I had always written songs and written in my journal and just phrases and whatnot. Um, My roommate had uh, 8 by 10 of Madness on his wall, which is where all weird little things like that. But I won't I won't take forever. Uh, I went to London to just to visit for a couple of weeks and just fell in love. And I came back and I cried the whole flight home. I cried the whole first week I came home and I told my parents, I want to go back. I just, I'm supposed to be there. So I got on the plane, sold everything I owned, went back, made a demo with Mike and the demo got interest. And they said, now who is this? And I said, my sister and I have always wanted to, have a band we sing good harmonies together she's waiting if if i could get her over we could you know start something so she was waiting to quit her waitress job and come on over and sure enough she was there within a week and then the rest just fell into place and i mean we paid our dues god we paid our dues we were broke for four months which isn't that bad even but we had songs. We had the image. My sister and I definitely had the image in our head of what we wanted to do. We wanted to appeal to the misfits. That was our thing because we felt totally uncool and out of place. And we thought we need somebody to speak for all of us. <laughs> so she came over and with the rest is history. We went uh, uh, like we went to boot sales and stuff to get clothes. Right. And we watched our favorite videos. And next thing you know didn't happen that fast but next thing you know we were playing a gig and a really nice enemy journalist reviewed it and it just went from there the sharks came in hunting but yeah thank god i had my sister with me or i couldn't have done it right how how surreal was it you mentioned madness before that you had like daniel and mark join the band like how did that happen and just like you were you pinching yourself like you have members of madness performing with you the way it happened, and I hear this all the time, and I think that can't be that simple. The way it happened is 
our manager said, would you be interested in playing with the rhythm section from Madness for a while until we find permanent members? But I, you know, you got to act cool. So it's like, yeah, I, yeah, I why guess. not? Yeah. <laughs> but we didn't act cool. We're like, oh, my God, we got it. <laughs> and one of my favorite singer-songwriters of all time is Andy Partridge from XTC. Yes, I love him. And my manager called me and said, Andy Partridge is interested in writing a song with you. Is that something you'd be into? It's, yes, please. Right. <laughs> So those things happened. Uh, I went to a Prince concert and talked to Chrissy Hind in the lobby for 20 minutes. It's just, yeah. I just thought that's what London was, just pop stars everywhere. Right. You could say hi and mingle with us. Yeah. But we were charmed. We were charmed, I think. Right. Did you mention to you know Chrissy like how much of an influence she was to you? <laughs> I was wearing a nightgown I got at a thrift store. It was really pretty. It looked cute with combat boots and everything. And I told her, I am here because of you. And she said, I don't know whether you want to kiss me or punch me. <laughs> said, well, I'll let you know. But I want yeah. you to know that I'm literally in England writing songs, demoing, rehearsing with my band because of you and your music. So she was, you know, kind of aloof, which I love because I didn't expect anything else from her. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they always say never meet your heroes. But I guess in that case, it worked out fine. It's always <laughs> yeah. worked out great. There's not anybody I've met of my heroes yeah. that I haven't loved. So, right. Yeah. And you mentioned the Smiths before. I, I had the honor of uh, interviewing Andy Rourke. He, 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 you know, he came here and interviewed a person and it was just like surreal. It was like, I'm talking to one of the Smiths. He's sitting like, you know, six feet away from me. It was like unbelievable. So that was, it was really cool. I'll tell you one thing that was really weird is sitting next to Andy Partridge, who has that distinct voice. Yes. And singing and hearing that he was on my right. So I should do this. Yeah. It, hearing that distinct timber and that distinct voice right live it was crazy yeah i, I really wish yeah i really wish that he would like you know they perform but unfortunately with his like you know phobia of performing uh, that would it really hindered it but yeah their music is great it was, it was talked about great, that so. too he didn't like touring and i i wasn't yeah. a big fan i loved playing live yeah everything else was really hard for me and we talked about that a lot we both had depression and he was telling me about uh, yellow, the disorder, the seasonal disorder. He was giving me yeah. advice. We kind of bonded over depression. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But like, was there ever a time that you like kind of overcame like being homesick, being in England? Oh, oh yes. Yes. Yeah. I had my sister loved touring. She would tour 24 hours a day, 365 days a year if she had her way. And I didn't like it. The minute I got on the bus, I had I would get that depression, that kind yeah. of physical and emotional, obviously. Um, I overcame it by medication. Right. <laughs> I, did, I did eventually find medication that helped, but I wrote a lot in my journal. I wrote a lot of songs. I listened to a lot of music, but it was, yeah. I struggled more than anybody in the band. They loved it. And I felt really guilty too, because it was hard for me yeah. just to be moving. And I already feel like I'm on shaky ground. I already felt that way being in a new city, which I loved, but I already felt kind of a lot of responsibility, a lot of pressure. And then just the idea of being on and having all these accolades and people in front of you and having so much fun. And then the cliche of shutting the hotel door and you're alone. Right. right. It's weird. It's weird. And it's hard for somebody, you know, like me, because, you know, I'm all messed up. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> yeah. Was, was that, yeah. Was that one of the, one of the reasons why you guys eventually, you know, stopped? No, 
no, it wasn't because I don't as much as it was painful, I wouldn't have done that to the band. There were four right. of the people in the band that loved it and I couldn't be like that. Um, it came to a natural conclusion. It really did. Um, I can't really explain what happened and I don't want to blame anybody. So I'm going to leave it at that. OK, yeah. So, yeah, because I know like what Sex Misery was just the two of you at the end and that album took i think about four years to come out and a lot of like issues yeah i, I like that album it's, it's... i like the album too it's not, it's not with the beehive voice right. it is beehive because it's me and my sister so in that way it is but it's a huge departure and uh we were just they were trying to find a way to make us mega famous and they were throwing stuff at the wall not that my songs are crap to throw at the wall but uh, <laughs> right. like to think a little more of them but it was a departure and we were lose. put it that way we were losing a bit we were losing control of what we represented and what went out and uh having said that though i'm proud of sex and misery i yeah. stand by that record it's just not what people expected had it gone under maybe tracy and missy beehive it might have done a lot better i don't know i don't know right yeah, I plus, don't I mean, yeah like the landscape of this music business was different, you know, at that point, but compared to like when the first two albums came out. So, I mean, yeah. I'm sure that has something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you guys ever like, because you guys should have been bigger in the States. I mean, the music, it was great. I mean, it's, I, I think you're one of the, you know, the biggest acts, you know, back then. You, you should have been because the music like, it stood up. It was great. Do you guys yeah. ever feel like it should have been bigger in the States? Was it, you guys try to push to be bigger or no? We we toured america twice right you know it's funny and maybe it's because i'm older i don't i i don't it it shouldn't have done it because it didn't and it was just wasn't meant, i know it sounds very californian it just <laughs> wasn't meant to be that big i'm quite happy having a a semi-large yeah. kind of cultish following in england right. okay that suits me fine right i like that i i yeah. would almost rather have that in fact, I would rather have that than like mainstream success, success in America. And okay. been, I like where we are. I think Mark. it perfectly. Right. Do you, you feel you had that kind of cultish following here in the States as well? Or no? uh, it's small. We do, but it's small. The fans we have here are hardcore. Yeah. They're hardcore, but they're not in mass. But the, everybody I've spoken to in America knows knows their you know what they know yeah. it they know us they know they've been to that gig that gig you know they were at the gigs when we toured america which were small but there aren't a lot of them but the ones that are here are hardcore and some of them have become really good friends they okay. came to uh england for the reunion gig okay flew all the way from america to the reunion gig wow and uh so i knew who they were via i love voice of the beehive on facebook right so I had knew their names, knew their pictures, yeah. knew their dolls. So I we searched each other out at the end of the show, and it was I made friends that I still talk to. So it turned out to be great because right. there there are a small amount of them, so I can meet, know them all. Do you know right. what I mean? Yeah, no, that, that's great. Yeah, because you feel like now it's like they always have like these like meet and greet <laughs> after the show where these bands were bigger back then. You couldn't have those, you know, right. back then. Now it's you get more intimate and you can talk to them, and it's great to. And I've told artists how I felt, you know, right. how, how much music is music is you always, you know, relate a memory to a song or something like that where you can't do that with anything else. 
That's and, true. You know, and it's true. You know, you have four or five minutes of a song where you're not doing that to a movie or a TV show or a book. It's always the music that just brings you back to a particular memory or a time That's in your life. True. And you know? we've been asked to make a list of our like 20 most influential songs. And I'm realizing I'm picking what evokes memories for you, for my you. kiss my boyfriend mm -hmm. the first year in england you know my dorm life that's what i gravitate to more than even really a, a great song i'll go for the nostalgia that's why yeah I it, so. yeah a absolutely i don't ask you about some songs that you know bring back memories from you know for me and like i mentioned you know there's barbarian like, you know back in my car so but i walked the earth i love that song and just the harmony of that is great i also felt like that should have been bigger but that was like you released that twice that song right and you guys really believed in that song huh
and it's it's really odd because I just went to Santa Barbara to visit. I go every summer, and it's a little known fact, I think, that my boyfriend at the time wrote that song. I okay. it's one of the few songs I didn't write. Right. My boyfriend Brad wrote it, and his band did it, and I thought, my God, that's such a good pop song and I ended up being in a band and his band kind of broke up and I thought that song can't just go to waste so we recorded it so when I go back to Santa Barbara I picture them on stage singing it it's known as a Brad Nat classic in Santa Barbara um another girl recorded it with a kind of a an Enya kind of take (laughs) on it okay and so it's bittersweet because like, he doesn't talk to me. His wife won't let him talk to me anymore. Oh, okay. And I, he was just like the most brilliant, cool person I ever knew. So that song for me evokes a lot of memories. Yeah. But I'm glad it should be out there. It's not, you know, you own a song as much as you can. Yeah. And once it's out there, it's out there. So I re- that song when we did our reunion gig was by far the best live gig. I've okay. never seen people go as crazy as they did. Yeah that song and i wish that brad knew how much people loved it but right yeah that i'll write another song about that exactly yeah (laughs) how much is like are all your songs that you write based on experiences for you or just anything else yeah they are they are for the most well um there's a song on sex and misery called i'm still in love which is about uh, an abusive relationship which i've never been in but I thought, what if, and I put myself in her situation, I think Taylor Swift, not to compare, <laughs> love Taylor Swift. Right. She, she, when she kind of ran dry, she did that. She thought, well, what if you were a housewife or blah, 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 and put herself in different situations? Yeah. I started doing that toward the end, but no, for the most part, I had a muse. Okay. And um, I would just imagine scenarios with him and just kind of write from, so part of it came from me. But part of it was the imaginary scenario. What if? And then what if this yeah. happened? But, you know, what you have is enough is from me. Just the cities is certainly from me. I say nothing is from me. Beat of love. So I guess the answer is both of them are from me that have happened. Yes. Right. Yeah. How much did your sister contribute in writing? Well, she in writing, she, if she she would tell me if she thought it was good or not. And if she okay. didn't like it unless I really thought it was good, I would ditch it because I trust her taste. But as far as writing, not that much, but boy, harmonies and stage presence. Yeah. And just the two girls, the two sisters, she added so much that way that, you know, the writing was kind of my deal. And then when it came to light, somebody came backstage to us at our first gig and said, pointed to me and said, she has the brains. And pointed to Missy and said, but she has the personality. And I'm like, all right, I'll take it, I guess. Right. I think. I get, yeah, right. Thank you. I, yeah. <laughs> a backhanded compliment, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's just because you guys were so unique seeing, you know, the harmony, you know, and out there. And it wasn't too many bands out there at that time. I mean, do you, because one that I think of maybe was B52s. Did you get a lot of comparisons? Totally. Yeah, we yeah. loved we loved that. I loved that band. They definitely, definitely influenced us as far as attitude went. Right. And I saw them so many times live and it was just like a big beach party. Yeah, me too. And we thought that's the energy. That's the 
they were very self-deprecating. They didn't yeah. take themselves seriously at all. And that's right exactly what we wanted. And then I saw a band in England on the television. I thought they are totally in tune with what we're doing. And the band was, we've got a fuzz box. Okay. <laughs> and I thought that's it. That's exactly what we're yeah. doing too. So I right. felt like with them because they were taking the piss and you know messing around yeah. so that they definitely influenced us and the pretenders of course right yeah of course yeah <laughs> the the second album i the title i mean it's kind of like you know tongue-in-cheek i guess honey lingers uh, yeah too. right yeah <laughs> how, how did you sneak that past uh the record company it's honey lingers. Honey does stay for a long time. If you get it on your fingers, it lingers. Okay. It's hard to get off. Okay. <laughs> the just go on and on and right. on. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody just said that would be funny. And I thought, okay, it doesn't suck. So. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, I mentioned like Monsters and Angels before. And that that's probably the biggest hit in the States. Also a, a fantastic song. Uh, the background behind that one. Nobody's 
Mike was, I lived with Mike and a couple other people in like a four story house uh, on Ellerton Road in by Manor House. And I heard him playing because we had a studio upstairs. I heard him playing. He was working on something for days. And I went up and said, please, can I write to this music? This is amazingly gorgeous. And I have words. So I sat down because I lived beneath him, went upstairs, sat down and sang what I had. And that was it. Okay. Uh, it's a fantastic song, like I mentioned before. Uh, and then you had a cover. You must have been a big, I guess, David Cassidy fan growing up, right? <laughs> so I think I love you. That came about, we were asked to do a track for a record called Guilty Pleasures. And Don was, from Was Not okay. Was, producer who I really liked. Yeah. Stuff. And um, we, went in, we went to L.A., we went in and recorded a really cool version that he did that was really different and weird and fun. Talk about 
So that was like a, a great free trip to LA to record a song that we love. Right. We came back, they remixed it into the ener energetic kind of movie yeah. dynamic song it is. And we thought, why not? I have no problem with that. I love that song. And again, it was kind of in the sense of bubblegum and in the spirit right. of kitsch, you know, yeah. and back in camp and all that. So that fit us perfectly. Right. Yeah, I, I'm always a big fan of when, like, you know, like a like a female singer, you know, covers a male version yeah. or vice versa, because it's a different you know, interpretation. And, you know, and usually it's better rather than just a straight yeah. cover, you know, of, of a certain song. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what's like, what's your favorite? So I guess you mentioned Walk, I Walk the Earth, but your favorite songs to perform. I, I Walk the Earth is not my favorite. Oh, okay. Brad, Brad and I loves it. have a little animosity toward each other. Right. <laughs> um, no, I love I Walk the Earth. For, I love it. But my favorite song has got to be I Say Nothing. Okay. It's about a really special experience. And it came out exactly how I heard it in my head, which is really rare. Um. It's really sentimental. It's the epitome of London to me. And I also really like Cartoon City, which nobody has heard. Okay. I don't think. Uh, I like a song called Goodbye Tonight, which is for a friend of mine who uh, took his own life. And that's really sentimental. But I think I say nothing. I say nothing is where I go, oh, I know that girl. Yeah. I kind of remember what I was like when I was in my 20s and wrote that right. song. I find myself in there. <laughs> And Monsters and Angels, too. So I say nothing yeah. in Monsters and Angels. Right. The second, I love Adonis Blue. That's just I love a, it. Yeah. I didn't say that. I am fond of it. And, you know, the guys who did a lot of Kylie Minogue stuff produced that. Okay. I thought, oh, my God, it's going to be like Stock Aiken and Waterman, which were producers in L.A. Mm -hmm. that, or London that were known for being really commercial. And we kind of were forced to do it, forced to use a great producing team. And I love what they did with the song. Yeah. I think it sounds great. I think it's energetic. It's pop. Of a 
And we should have just gone in and let him do the record. But he had the ear of the record company in here and he had us in here. And, you know, he, he made a good, re- a great record, not great. He made a good record. But if they had just let him do what he wanted to do, then it would have been better. Put it that way. Yeah. I know you've been like on like, you know, top of the pops and, and you know, in London, which I wish, you know, we would have a show like, I guess you can say like the late night talk shows, but it's still not the same. Right. Um, how hard was it for you guys to like lip sync during those shows? Was it hard? I always, I always sing out loud. Okay. And the lip sync will pick it up. So I, I, one thing I saw recently, it was us on TV and Melissa was fully singing to my vocals. It's like, I didn't know you were doing that. It's a single vocal. I Right. But it was icing. Uh, when we lip sync, I sing not loudly, but I sing quietly. So it kind of matches. I can't get out the energy if I'm not singing. It doesn't. Yeah. So I right. think. And we yeah. were on the uh, top of the pops with Morrissey, too. OK. And I had him sign the back of my guitar and yeah. then I turned my guitar. So it said Morrissey on the show and they got really mad. They said, you're oh. supposed to be they supposed to think you're playing live and you have your guitar backwards. Right. Whoops. Sorry. Yeah. But it's Morrissey. Right. You must have caught him on a good day, right? I think, yeah, he's very, very sweet to the fans. Yeah. He just doesn't like the, the industry. Right. But he was really nice. He took time and signed everybody's thing and chatted. He was as sweet as could be. Oh, that's great. Yeah. No, he's he's a genius. He, he really is. You know. And then I saw like corporate and record company came up and boy, he stiffened up and just. Right got up and that was it it's like okay i get that yeah yeah he's lovely well there's controversy about him lately which is yeah hard for me really hard for me because he is one of my favorite yeah so what i have chosen to do for now is to keep it separate yeah i mean 
now with everything going on, whether it's, you know, musicians, authors, actors, I mean, it, well, I want to mention one person, say Kevin Spacey, right? I love his movies and stuff, but the person he's, you know, well, let's call a spade a spade, you know? Yeah. Sick. Well, you know, but can you separate, I mean, what, sitting there watching a movie or listening to a song, can is it easy for you to separate it or can you? That is just the question of the past few years for me in regards to a lot of things, which I'm sure you know. Yeah. Um, I choose, I mean, Picasso wasn't the nicest guy, you right. know? Pollock wasn't, even though I yeah. don't really like him as an artist. Um, Van Gogh was pretty messed up. So yeah. I, I choose for my, because I'm selfish. I'm not letting go of the Smiths. It's not going to happen. No. Yeah. I'm not getting, letting go of Morrissey solo stuff. Not going to happen. Right. I'm not never listen to Michael Jackson again because I'm not giving that up. I'm going to be selfish. They made a mistake. They'll suffer in their own personal way, their personal life. But I'm not giving, I'm not going to give that up. I'm too greedy with music and what I love. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I'm the same way. I mean, I already have this stuff. I'm not adding any money to these actors, exactly. or musicians. So I'm, you know, they're not gaining anything out of it. So, I, you know. And I'm sure some people wouldn't like my politics because I'm very staunch on what I think. And I'm sure some fans wouldn't like it. So it goes both ways, you know? Yeah. I mean, but it, it's tough. It's really tough. It, it, it is, you know, especially like when you go to a show, you, you kind of know the politics of a particular artist you're going to see. So you shouldn't be surprised when you're going there and they're, you know, advocating for their cause. Because you know funny. where I am. I'll I'll listen, but as far as going to a show, I would draw the line there. Although I see seen Morrissey twice, so yeah. I'm <laughs> right. Full of it. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. No, it's you know you see like you know say Springsteen, whoever you know they have their causes and stuff like that. Eddie Vedder, you know they they always do their stuff, but they're contributing to society as well, you know, and they're you know donating money you know, to charities and causes and stuff, which it's fine it's great you know so i, I, I really, yeah we're yeah. on the same page i think yeah totally <laughs> totally yeah so do you remember where you were the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio yes i remember exactly where i was i was with steve mack who was in that petrol emotion it was like our third date it was in give me a minute it was in uh soho downstairs in a vegetarian restaurant and they had the music on and just the city came on and i it felt so weird mm -hmm. steve was freaking out it was so sweet he wanted he wanted to get up and say this is and i'm like oh my god if you do that i will absolutely kill you right. but it was weird to just sit there it was the longest song in the history of man yeah and it felt great it was it felt weird i thought oh things have changed they just shifted they just kind of changed and i'll never forget it i remember it very well yeah what about like the weirdest place you heard when you I've ever heard it? Yeah. Oh, I was in the market, an all night market in America. Yeah. And I was obviously the only one. It was like two in the morning. Right. And I couldn't sleep. And I just went to get something to eat. And I'm walking along going, oh, I know this song. I don't know if I like it, but I know it. It's very familiar and it's very connected and then i realized it was so hard from sex and misery oh that's funny and i thought oh oh and then i looked around because i would have at that point i would have said hey this is me there's nobody there so i just listened to it alone and got my grapefruit juice and walked home <laughs> the glamorous life of course yeah speaking of that what, what are you up to these days 
I have a job I love so much. I am a teacher to uh, little ones, three and four years old, oh, okay. very little. And I love it. I work at a private school in the canyon here where I live. Uh, they specialize in language arts. They okay. teach Japanese, Spanish, French, sign language, German, and Spanish, I think I said. And they have an emphasis on the arts. They teach children through artistic means. And I devised a program where A, instead of being for Apple, which I would not want to teach if that was the case, it's for abstract art. Okay. And then we go to P is for Picasso, M is for Monet, F is for Frida Kahlo. So by the time my students leave and the students of the school, when they leave, they know they're artists. They say, oh, look at Jackson Pollock. Oh my gosh, that's a Keith Haring. So I'm really proud of that. It's something that means a lot to me. So if they leave, they'll know language and they'll know artists. In fact, some kids have identified artists in a restaurant. Mom, that's a um, Diego Rivera. And the parents will say, no, I don't think so. And the waitress will say, yeah, yeah it it's is. Diego Rivera, sorry. Wow, that's, that's great. <laughs> that's yeah. doing. And Missy is making, uh, she's working right now actually at, uh, she has her own booth at a place called the Sawdust Festival here. Okay which is an arts festival they have every summer. And she has a whole fairy booth with a tree in the middle of it. Fairies all over that she sells. She sprinkles fairy dust on you. And she sells like fairy clothes and wands. It's really neat. It's, she's been there for 10 years. So people come to the sawdust. Where's the fairy lady? Right. In the back, hello, hello, Linda or whatever. So that's what we're both doing. That's, that's awesome. Creative, and, so creative. Yeah, that's great. That's a, absolutely, yeah. Any chance of performing again or no? Um, as of right now, no, because right. there's uh, we have to put it this way with respect to everybody in my family, we have to hold down the home front for a while. Gotcha. So, and you know, there's life here. I can't just of leave course. my classroom. Yeah. For, I mean, I could, but one thing I wanted to say about live is that when we did it before it just fell into place it just worked this time we tried for a minute and right away we were meeting static and problems and then our family issue came up so it's just not time if it's the right time we'll we'll do it for sure but there are life goes on real life goes on here and we have to take care of our family and our loved ones first so that's taking priority of course yeah as it should absolutely yeah but Tracy, I really appreciate your time. This was fantastic. I love Thank your music. You. Uh, keep keep teaching the young kids because they are our future. And that age, they're so impressionable. And they and I can turn them on to music like, um, what do they love? They love uh, the cramps. I teach them the okay. cramps. The muck they love. Nice. They like London Calling. I'm turning okay. them on to all the good pop music. Oh, good, good. That, that, that's that's great. over time. Bow, wow, wow. Yeah. I'm going to give them musical education too. Okay. And slip in a couple Beehive songs too. I do. Yeah, I perfect. Do. Yeah. <laughs> perfect. I walk here, so I, it's not that much of an ego trip because it's not my song. Okay. <laughs> That's great. But thank you so much. And a special thanks to Tracy for joining me today. Go check out their music. It's streaming on all the streaming sites. You can follow them on Twitter at VOTB underscore official. That's V-O-T-B underscore official. And if you have a guest suggestion, you can hit me up on Twitter at the first 019 
or like the page Living My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes, check out all the past episodes. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Don't have iTunes? Not a problem. The show can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Podbean, Amazon Music, basically wherever you can find a podcast. A new episode comes out. Alright, I know I say it every week, but I promise weekly now. Stay safe, everybody. We'll see you then.